Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The Built by Bama online podcast presents Daybreak for Wednesday, May the 20th, 2020. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you here three times per week on Daybreak. And it's time to rejoin my fellow staffer there at BamaOnline.com, Charlie Potter. Let's welcome Charlie back to Daybreak. Been a minute, Charlie, but you've certainly been busy. We've been enjoying the the Q&As with the likes of uh, Bob Baumhauer, uh, you've done some really nice stuff from a position player, uh, perspective with Christian Harris and Patrick Sertan. So you've been keeping busy, my man. Yeah, I'm trying to, um, you know, I've, I've tried to map out these, uh, these two months here in May and June to stay busy and, you know, keep the, the guys at BOL entertained. And so far it's been so good. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll get some good news soon and, you know, get SEC media days in July and, and get things rolling again. But uh, in the meantime, I think, um, you know, trying to, you know, think outside the box and, and get out of the house a little bit and just in terms of calling people and talking to people, that's always good to to do in this time of year. And, and luckily, I think a lot of other people are in the same boat and they're not doing much, so they're more receptive to answering that phone call. Yeah, uh, we've seen it with Nick Saban just here in the last few days. Nick making the rounds. We we're fortunate enough to have him there on social distancing with Josh Pate, part of the 247sports.com network. You saw him on with Scott Van Pelt on Tuesday or Monday night, excuse me, on uh, Sports Center. So uh, maybe Nick's even getting a little stir crazy at this point, Charlie. Yeah, I think a little bit. Um, you know, when he was talking with SVP, um, you know, he mentioned how he's been able to spend more time with the family, but. Um, <laughs> he was looking forward to going back to work because uh, he's he's taking orders uh, from Miss Terry at home and he gives out all the orders down on Bryant Drive. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, he's been really good with his time though. He's spoken to um, you know a lot of outlets. I thought uh, his interview with Josh Pate of twenty four seven Sports is one of the best he's done so far. Um, I know he spoke with a, a ton of NFL teams, uh, their team sites about the Alabama players that were drafted and. Yeah, that's you know. I know he gets a a rap for you know, being mean or or whatever you want to call it during press conferences, but he's always good with his time. He answers the questions that he's asked, and um, yeah, I think that he's you know more probably than anybody else ready to get back to work and back to normal. I think Nick Saban, like the rest of us, really interested in these next couple of days, including today with the NCAA Division One Council set to vote apparently in terms of lifting the ban that is currently in place for member institutions and perhaps getting student athletes, at least in some form or fashion, back onto campuses coming up on Friday. The SEC administrators expected to convene and perhaps uh, offer up their vote in terms of a specific return, partial return date at least, whether that's June 1st or June 15th. Uh, big few days coming up in terms of maybe giving us some more uh, defined viewpoints on where we might be headed next. 
Yeah, and, and that's going to be interesting to see what happens. I know Greg Byrne, um, is, it's not really pertaining to those dates, but he's already outlined that when it comes to making decisions about the season, you're looking at the first week of July where, you know, if, if you're going to have um, the season going as normal, you're going to have to start making those decisions then. And I think getting players back on campus is the first step. Um, you know, Nick Saban's been an advocate um, for, for having that kind of two week or 14 day um, on field coaching and teaching opportunity uh, with, with players it would be no contact just guys out there and, and helmets and t-shirts where they can really kind of make up for the the lost time that was spring practice because I know there were some teams that maybe had a practice or two but, but Alabama didn't and um, you know in, in these last couple of days when he's spoken to to us and to, to ESPN he's talked about how um, you know those young players that time um, was that time loss is going to affect them the most so getting guys back on campus uh, I think is a step in the right direction, and, and hopefully, um, you know, these schools will get some good news that those guys can start returning. Now we're going to get into making the case for Alabama's record in the month of November for the 2020 schedule coming up in just a little bit. But before we do that, of the what might have beens for the time uh, when you look at spring sports, maybe or the finish to winter sports since this suspension of play and team activities has gone into effect. Charlie, when you look at it just from the Alabama perspective, which sport at Alabama maybe stands out the most to you in that regard? Is it baseball? Is it softball, uh, basketball, and perhaps that SEC tournament that was cut short? Uh, Where would you go with that in terms of, of things we didn't get to see uh, from the Alabama perspective during this downtime? Yeah, I would probably lean toward baseball. Um, you know, Alabama's softball team is, is so consistent. I think you know fans are used to seeing them uh, succeed, especially late in the season, and have opportunities in the postseason. But the baseball team was just playing so well. Um, you know, I, shortly after all this ended, I talked to, to Brad Bohannon, and he used the word devastated when describing that abrupt end, just because they had such a good start to the season. Um, and they were right on the doorstep of SEC play. And we've talked ad nauseum about this team and uh, year three under Bo Hannon. And you weren't really going to know what the team looked like until they got to SEC play. And they were about to, I believe, play Missouri um, you know, that, that weekend when everything shut down. And uh, it's just so disappointing because um, you know, I know that Alabama has rich tradition in baseball history, and fans were, were looking forward to, to having another or having a successful program again. And they seem to be on the cusp of that, only to get it swept out from under their feet. So you know, it's it's never or you, you want to see all those teams compete and have the opportunity to do that. But um, you know, just for a team that's kind of been going through some lows to finally be on a high and to not be able to you know, see it through, I, I think I would side with baseball there. I would have to as well because all signs were pointing to, at a minimum, this program getting back to Hoover at least for an SEC tournament for the first time since 2016. Uh, And it's interesting because, you know, the opportunity obviously was there for the spring sports student athletes with softball. You're pretty much seeing all of those seniors come back for another year. Not so much the case with baseball. I think Colby Robinson. Uh, you know, one of the starting infielders for Brad Bohannon's team has made the decision to go ahead and, and get on with things outside of baseball, I guess. And so I would say of those two sports, Charlie, it looks like baseball impacted more than, than softball, too. 
Yeah, and you know, that's something that's you know, baseball has that scholarship restriction. And when talking to, to Brad Bohannon, you know, this was kind of right after um, the NCAA had, had shared and made the decision to allow those spring sport athletes to come back for another year um, and have another year of eligibility. And the 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 trouble there is you just don't have a lot of spots, and there are guys that are already paying Damn. their way, and they're not wanting to take out another. Um, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollar loan uh, just to play baseball. They've already got their degrees, and like you said, they're ready to take that next step and, and start that new chapter in their life. And um, it's a tough decision. Uh, you know, I know a, a couple guys to uh, enter the transfer portal. Uh, maybe not as um, everyday starters like Colby Robinson, but it'll look a little different. Uh, but you saw those young guys. You're going to have recruits coming in, and um, you know, hopefully the baseball team can pick up where it left off. And and you know be able to get to SEC play and, and like you said, get back to Hoover. Yeah, and and and, and kind of dovetailing what you said about the cost that some of these guys uh, take on just to play baseball. Once you get that undergrad degree, it's pretty much grad school at that point. And look, I never had to worry about grad school as an <laughs> option, okay? But from what I understand, Charlie, the tuition bill goes up, I think, a little bit too when you start moving ahead towards uh, master's programs, potentially. So it uh, makes sense on a lot of levels for baseball in comparison to softball, for sure. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back on daybreak, we're going to get into the month of November. We're going to fast forward. We're going to look at Alabama football's prospects in the month of November, the final month of the regular season. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more when daybreak on a Wednesday returns on the Built by Bama online podcast right after this. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Charlie, admittedly, I probably haven't done as much homework for this segment of the podcast as I should have, but I feel safe in saying that if Alabama under Nick Saban has had a sort of stumbling point at any point during the regular season under his watch – it's been in the month of November, and I can say that with assuredness based on just his first season at Alabama. 2007, Alabama went 0 for November. Uh, there have certainly been some memorable losses in the month, whether you're talking about uh, Auburn 2010, LSU 2011, Texas A&M 2012. I feel safe in saying, Charlie, that if we were to break down Nick Saban's losses by months in the regular season at Alabama, November, right, would be sort of the overwhelming winner in that regard. 
Yeah, it would. I mean, you just racking your brain with nothing in front of you. I mean, Alabama's done so well in these season openers um, and neutral site games against Power Five opponents. You know, they've never lost one of those, at least in the last decade. Um, and then the only losses that I can think of, um, you know, since that uh, 2007 season are to Ole Miss, and those were earlier in the year. Um, I know the one in Tuscaloosa was Week Three, so obviously. That's not November, but other than that, yeah, I mean the the end of the season is where things get hairy, and uh, you know you would expect that with with teams like LSU and, and Auburn, an in state rival, um, at the end of your season, the end of your regular season. So um, you know it it always gets interesting as that regular season comes to an end, and you know, I think this season's no different. South Carolina, two thousand ten, maybe yeah. one of those other games, right? I mean, it is it's that few though, and you're right. Ole Miss back to back years. Um, South Carolina, 2010, and you got to work to find some, you got to work to find some losses in general <laughs> in the regular season over the last 10 or 12 years. But pre-November, you really got to start to really peel some layers back to, uh, to get to those games. But when we look at this upcoming November slate for the Alabama Crimson Tide, it's very familiar in that it starts with a Tiger and LSU. And it ends with a Tiger in Auburn. But it's a little bit different this time around in that there's not Mississippi State in the month of November. And instead, Texas A&M, I think for the first time since that win here in Tuscaloosa in 2012, comes back into the month of November. And like 2012, will pay a visit to Bryant-Denny Stadium. Now, of those three games, we're not going to get into to Tennessee, Martin, even with <laughs> The, the the cool nickname, the Skyhawks. We're just not going to spend a lot of time on the FCS opponent. But of these three games, LSU, Texas A&M, Auburn, I mean, we're talking about the potential for, you know, top 15 type teams when Alabama sees these, these three in, in some form or fashion. Which of the three do you think is the most losable game for Alabama in the month of November? Uh, I'd probably lean toward LSU. Uh, that one's the one that's on the road. The other two are at home. And, um, you know, I know that Alabama's going to be looking for some revenge. They, they ended their streak against LSU this past year, Bryant Denny, and the game is in Baton Rouge and Alabama's had a lot of success there, but still, I mean, that game's always, um, just so competitive and, uh, it's such a battle and uh, both teams are going to be coming off a of bye week, I believe, again in this one. And, um, you know, I, I just think that one, to me, stands out. LSU has to replace damn near half or more of its starting lineup. You have to replace uh, your passing game coordinator, your defensive coordinator. They're going to have a lot of new faces, so it's not going to be the same team. You don't have Joe Burrow out there, uh, you know, slinging the ball to those talented receivers. But, you know, Jamar Chase is back. Derek Stingley's back. They're going to have talent. They recruit um, you know, like, like you would expect LSU to do. So I would lean toward that one being the, uh, the most challenging one. Um, it, it is on the road, but Alabama does play well, well there, but it's just that Alabama LSU game has so much mystique. And I think with what happened last year and LSU coming off of that national championship, there's just going to be so much hype around this one. Once again, you know, I want to get into the Texas A&M hype because it's very much there with Kellen Mond back at quarterback, four offensive line starters. I know you've already been doing some of the, the preseason look-ahead stuff. I know you've done Texas A&M. You've done Auburn. Um, we've looked at LSU extensively already on the website, here on the podcast. Uh, but I still got to go with that road game 
mm-hmm. uh, at LSU as the toughest of the three, and um, and it's it's just crazy. It's mind-boggling to think that LSU has not scored a point in this series on its home field against Alabama since 2014, right? I mean, the last two times down there, it's been Alabama shutouts. 2016 was a 10 to nothing game. Two years ago, Alabama wins 29 to nothing. That's one that's especially hard to wrap your head around given the LSU offense we saw in 2019. But I think you touched on it. So much to replace. And, and I think we both agree, though, the, the more I look at LSU in, in doing some of this stuff in the preseason, the more I think they do have, the Tigers do have legitimate pieces that they can plug in and play with. Offensive line is, is going to be an area where there's a lot to replace in addition to quarterback and uh, you know running back. There's talent there. There's some young freshmen that are going to be sophomores next year. Uh, but I still think that's going to be the toughest matchup, even with A&M. And again, a lot of the hype and the fact that, you know, A&M and Auburn have the luxury that LSU doesn't and that both those teams return starting quarterbacks, including Auburn with the SEC freshman of the year in Bo Nix. Although that still sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Given what Derek Stingley did as a freshman for LSU. It does. Yeah. And I agree. I, I think there is going to be a lot of hype around Texas A&M. Uh, you know, they return 16 starters on offense and defense. They're going to have an experienced club coming into to Bryant Denny and, and Kellen Mons coming back for his seventh season it feels like <laughs> but um yeah, he replaced I mean, johnny manzel right <laughs> it feels like that um but yeah i mean i i think that it's just it, it, the lsu game is just different uh, I, I do think that that the iron bowl will be interesting um you know they have to replace guys up front like Derek brown and marlon davidson um but they do have nicks coming back they have a lot of uh, talent on offense they're gonna have to figure out what they're gonna do on the offensive line and at the running back position, but they seem to always you know do well in that department. But defensively, outside of their linebacking core, I mean, up front and in the secondary, they just have a lot to replace. So, um, you know, with, with it being in Tuscaloosa, you know, it's kind of the opposite of the LSU game where Alabama fares better, uh, a little bit better at least in, in Tuscaloosa. They don't have those uh, freaky games or freaky moments outside of that 2010 game. So um, that one to me, you know, I, I ranked – the all of the games on the 2020 schedule from from easiest to hardest and the ones that we're talking about right now they're three of the top four but i have it lsu auburn texas a&m and, and georgia's up near the top for me so um it'll be interesting you know they they end the season with, with three home games and they have a&m where usually they would play an fcs opponent so that makes it more interesting this year but um yeah i think that alabama just has a little bit more talent and a little bit more experience returning uh, than Auburn. And I just, I, I think A&M is going to have a good season. I just don't think it's going to be this miraculous turnaround from eight and five last year. You touched on it. There's not going to be what I call Southern conference Saturday, the week before Thanksgiving. In other words, the week before the iron bowl. And when you look at the breakdown of Alabama, LSU, Alabama, Texas, A&M, for LSU and Alabama, I believe it's bye weeks for both going mm-hmm. into that game in early November. So that's a wash. You look at Texas A&M and Alabama on November the 21st, and you kind of wonder, well, you know, who do they each have before that game? Well, Alabama has Tennessee Martin. Texas A&M has Vanderbilt. The expectation will be for both those teams to to ease through those contests. But where it gets interesting is, as you sort of outlined here, too, 
that week before the Iron Bowl, man, Auburn gets LSU on the Plains. Auburn, Georgia is going to be in October this year. That's going to be funky. October the 10th this time around, Auburn and Georgia uh, get together at Sanford Stadium in Athens. So instead, you're going to have LSU-Auburn on November the 21st, Alabama-Texas A&M on November the 21st, and then the next Saturday you're going to have the Iron Bowl. That's going to be – I like that. Uh, that's that's going to make uh, – it's going to be kind of like in golf if you have back-to-back par fives to end a tournament you know, on 17 and 18. The potential for fireworks, Charlie, as they like to say, is certainly going to be there. And that's a hell of a trade-off for Auburn. You think you're going <laughs> to not have Georgia and Alabama to end your season and you get LSU the week before the Iron Bowl. I don't know who they pissed off in the SEC office. Well, they, they had complained about they it. They did, yeah. Uh, and, so they might, here, uh, and so Greg said, here you go, Gus, <laughs> take this. <laughs> but, no, I mean, that makes it exciting. Um, you know, you, you kind of get used to that FCS Saturday. Um, and, you know, that's a, that's a week that I think a lot of teams welcome because – you, know, you you expect to win that game. You expect to play a lot of young players. Hopefully Nick Saban isn't listening to this, but um, it, it gives you that chance to kind of recoup after you do play an LSU in a Mississippi State. And uh, you know this comes at a, a different time. And um, you know Alabama's a. It, it seems like that schedule has been set in stone for my entire time covering the team. So it is going to be a little weird to to see that. But you know I'm all for it. Um, I, I wish teams wouldn't play FCS schools. I know that they get the the paycheck for that, and that helps them out. But um, to see you know to have back to back weeks to end the regular season of, of seeing Texas A&M and Auburn travel to Bryant Denny, uh, that's exciting. And uh, you're you're leading up to the postseason, uh, the SEC championship game. There's going to be a lot on the line there in the SEC West when you know the last three to four weeks you have these teams rolling in. Yeah, the month of November typically defining for Alabama. As much as anything, you could say that about the month of October for Auburn. Auburn goes to Georgia on October the 10th, gets A&M at home the following weekend, and then goes to Mississippi State two weeks later on Halloween Day uh, with Mike Leach and the Bulldogs over there at Davis Wade Stadium. So a lot of fun. I guess what we're saying here, we are projecting 3-0 and uh, records for Alabama in those games against LSU. Texas A&M and Auburn, or do you have a little bit of a surprise for us there, Charlie? No, I mean, I think, you know, the, there's no two bye weeks this year and it it sets up to where it it used to be right before the LSU game. Uh, I think to have that FCS game after the LSU game, which is usually, like I said, just a a heavyweight battle um, is, is good. Um, You know, I I think that Texas A&M is a talented team. They're going to be probably ranked coming into this game. uh, But at the same time, I mean, to have both of those games at home to end the regular season, I, I would I would pick Alabama. I mean, I, we're counting down the the SEC games on Alabama's schedule through through May and June. We've already done Auburn and Texas A&M starting backwards, and I think everybody on the BOL staff has been consistently picking uh, Alabama to win those. And I, you know, when we do LSU at the end of this week, I think we'll all pick uh, Alabama to win that too. So I would expect them to go four zero in um, in November. But uh, it's going to be tough. It's a, it's a challenging month, as, as we've laid out and as we've seen, and, and this month's no different. Yeah, I guess if there's a game most likely not to get played in November, it could be that Tennessee-Martin game, depending yeah. on how everything goes with scheduling in relation to the pandemic. And you know, could we possibly uh, see a, a conference-only schedule at some point? Uh, still a lot to figure out. And again, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, 
we should be learning more about that, at least in terms of initial steps in that direction here in the next few days. Well, Charlie, great to be uh, back with you here on the podcast, my man. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, man. Always good to catch up. Charlie Potter always does a great job there at BamaOnline.com. We certainly hope you'll consider a subscription to the podcast, the Built by Bama Online podcast. It's very simple. If you don't mind, leave us a rating and a review while you're there as well. It would also be greatly appreciated. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryers, thanking you once again for joining us here on the Built by Bama Online podcast, and of course, right there at BamaOnline.com as well. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.